on this episode of Resi Week, CES 2020, rebooting your referrals and selling the smart home. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 206, What's Real Now? Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron and by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, we are pleased to be joined by uh, a longtime friend and, and guest and a newbie who is a bit of a longtime friend. We've been friends for a while, right, Jamie? A little bit. I'd that say. is Jamie Briesmeister. She is the CEO slash boss lady at Integration Controls. How are you, ma'am? Doing well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us and to round it out and hopefully keep me mellow and, and polite as we have the newbie is Dennis Holzer. He is the CEO of Powerhouse Alliance. How are you, sir? I am doing terrific. Thanks for having me back. Thank you guys both for being here. We're going to kick this off, shockingly enough, with a story that comes to us from The Verge, CES 2020. Again, I know you're shocked we're talking CES right after CES, but it's what you have to do. Dennis, I, I want to start with you partially because you were at the show, uh, but also just because you were at the show. So it fits very well. Um, CES for a long time kind of had that impression, that, that, that concept that it was really, it was for everybody, but a lot of it was about us. As people that work in the residential tech industry, CES was a ton of residential tech. It keeps expanding. It keeps becoming the, the juggernaut that it is now. And I would almost argue that if you read through the, the Verge story, for example, very little residential tech pops up in that, that, that story of their best of. What did you see that you know, fits our, our industry that, that got you excited, as well as what, what was just there that gets you excited about tech in general? To be honest, nothing, nothing, and nothing. Um, <laughs> Probably not the answer you want to hear. I, I think what's happened is the the show has become such a broad stroke show, um, covering so many categories from bathtubs to obviously electronics. Talking about Kohler and their their new app developed toilets and 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 tubs. But I think what's happened is that the show now, really, in my opinion, fits what it's called the consumer electronic show. Okay. It is all about different types of electronics for the consumer. And I think what's happened more and more, and I, and I think this year, um, I don't want to say it totally kicked us out, but for, for a large part, the residential tech was not represented there. A lot of the electronics that goes into it was, um, but as far as installation and, you know, I, I think um, – and I was kidding with someone there that the the one thing I would have liked to seen I, I did see everything, but the one thing I would have liked to seen is a recliner with wheels and a steering wheel because a lot of that stuff was apt based products now that you know for different consumers are useful in the home. But it, by and large, a lot of the electronics was that you would never have to leave your chair in your home, and 
you know, from app basing, you know, your, your tub with water to your new Serta mattress with speakers to drones, uh, you could just literally sit on yourself in your family room and never move and yet do everything you need to do during a given day. That seems like a very lazy approach, but I kind of like it. So, <laughs> so let me ask you just this quick follow-up before we, before we move on to Jamie. Is it something where we're just not part of that industry anymore? Like, is it just that some of our building blocks are there or is that, it, do we just not really belong? No, I think some of our building blocks are there, but the, the biggest problem, and I speak for me who obviously, you know, does a lot more work geared obviously towards the CDA channel, the ISC channel. But I think the biggest problem is that the vendors by and large that are in our space were housed mostly in the Venetian. Right. So in my case, here's a show that was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I spent all day Tuesday and Wednesday just in hotels outside of the show, which was where the majority of our building blocks um, were located. And so and, and when you say building blocks, obviously, a lot of our projects start with video. And yeah, that was on the floor, the Sony's of the world, the Samsung's of the world. But once you got much beyond that, um, you had to, frankly, you had to be in a hotel. And I think a lot of that is just based on outright expense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely noticed that most of the people from the, the industry that I knew who were there from an exhibiting standpoint, they were all in hotels. Yep. None of them were actually on the show floor. Jamie, let me come over to you for a second. Now, yeah. you were like me. You, you didn't attend, and I don't blame you for that. It is an obscenely <laughs> expensive trip, and every day I ran into somebody last week, it was, hey, I thought you'd be at that, that, that tech show in Vegas. Right. And I had to explain why I wasn't. Um, so two kind of a, the, the, the big stories that came out of the show that, that directly kind of affect us were – the, the, the rollable LG TVs that are supposed to be shipping this year and Samsung's like 99% screen 8K monstrosity. Uh, those were kind of the, the two big ones. And then, of course, the, the story that didn't happen at the show was Sonos suing Google. Um, specifically, though, uh, about the TV side, every report I read on the Samsung and LG products we're glowing in the fact of the technology, the advancement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and they really highlighted the 8K aspect. Whereas when you talk to those manufacturers, they talk about it, but they don't, they don't rest on that. They rest on, again, the 99% of screen size uh, that that new um, Samsung has. Is this just another example of, hey, we can, so we did? Or is this something that, like, how, how do we, as the channel, as the industry, as integration controls, how do you go sell that to a customer? Well, uh, to sell 8K is kind of uh, a little bit smoke and mirrors, in my opinion, at the moment. Uh, certainly to plan an infrastructure to consider it as next step, uh, but to go out and sell someone. A lot of our clients, you have to educate on what the K even means. <laughs> You know, they, they feel their high def is great. Okay, I bought a 4K, great. Now 8, can we even get anything in 8K? And so there's a lot of education that goes around in the content and what's what's real now and what's preparing for the future. Um, I, I certainly think it's valuable to know that it's happening, to know that the products are being developed 
towards AK, uh, but to um, to say that I'm going out and actively selling someone on AK right now is is not really happening. Um, we need more content, I feel, but it's neat to see. You know, to me, CES and part of the reason why I don't attend or don't attend frequently, I've been before, um, is because it's not it's not tangible at the moment. Uh, our, our time is better spent, in my opinion, my time is better spent to other shows that more directly impact our day to day. So, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. That's, that's been my, my stance for a while. Right. All right. Let's move on to our next story of the day. <clears throat> this comes to us from residential systems and our good friend, Henry Clifford, who was on last week, uh, reboot your referral program. Uh, Henry goes through a, a couple of things and specifically he, he humble brags uh, that 80% of their new business comes from what he calls warm referrals, uh, which is very good to see. But in this article, Henry touches on a, a couple of things. The first one, which is only somewhat related to the actual story, but that I loved was that they, he is a company uh, they sit down and they actually prepare a strategic plan for 2020. So, Jamie, I want to start with you on this. Henry covers, obviously, in their strategic plan that they, they work through, he covers that they're trying to create this new uh, lead generation flywheel, something that will bring in leads that they can hopefully close every week. He goes through a couple of things that he, he wants to kind of implement or use as potential uh, incentives for those referrals to help build that, that lead generation. When you look at this, when you look at this list, he hits money recognition, straight up asking for business as kind of the three top ones. A, have you used any of those? Do they work for you? And, and, and B, is he missing something? Is, is it just something with referrals where you kind of just have to let them happen organically? Uh, you know, uh, the majority of our business is referral based as well, uh, but we've scaled up a fair amount in the past two years. So there's only so much that you can expect to come from your referral base. Um, we've had to look at incentivizing and, and kind of stretching the reach, stretching who may refer us. Um, <clears throat> I like the ideas that, that uh, Henry mentioned in his article. Um, have we done exactly these? No, but very similar. Um, but our, we don't have a program outlined. Uh, it's typically really individualized based on who that referring partner is. Uh, so oftentimes, if it's a designer, we'll talk about that ahead of time. Is there some kind of uh, monetary rebate or uh, um, what have you that we need to consider as part of this? Um, oftentimes, for a lot of just straight referrals, when it's a client that's handed to us and we manage everything from the beginning to the end. Uh, they're very happy to get a thank you card in the mail for, um, for the effort. A handwritten thank you card goes a long ways these days. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'll, I'll put in, even if it's a referral that hasn't closed, I'll send a thank you note with like a $5, $10 uh, Starbucks gift card. And then when and if the project actually does turn into something, um, a nice restaurant kind of around the area that that person lives. So, you know, $100 Amazon gift card, $100 gift, uh, gift card to a restaurant, similar concept. Um, <clears throat> and as far as recognition, I've never really singled out someone to publicly uh, kind of celebrate that they've referred us business. 
um, but we have done giveaways like a Sonos uh, Play One or something like that, or Sonos One, I guess, rather these days. Uh, always try to ask for business in any opportunity, um, sometimes more direct than others. Sometimes it's kind of a gentle hint at, uh, oh, well, of course, we'd love to do more business with you and those like you, so please consider us anytime your friends are asking for uh, a reference or who did the work. Um, as far as what he's missing, I guess the only thing that I would say is, you know, it's, it's difficult when you outline your program to say that it can be customized or tweaked per the individual. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have specific interests and likes. Uh, and I try to listen uh, carefully to who my referring partners are and what they like the most, and then give them something that, that edges at what they enjoy in life. Very good. Dennis, you obviously deal with tons of integrators every day. Um, are referral programs kind of the, the best way to essentially pre-qualify customers as, as far as a, uh, a generation pipeline? Or are there other opportunities out there that are more successful? So Matt, if I had hair, this is the single topic that would make me lose my hair. And th this... I am on this big time right now. The majority of our integrators, the one place they don't go is back to the jobs that they have done. And as much electronics, obviously we're aware of it, whether it's from 1080 to 4K, 4K to 8K, and that's just on a TV side. If you've installed a 1080p TV, a 60-inch TV, hypothetically, four years ago, five years ago. Why would you not send something back to that customer or call that customer and say, hey, look, you know, we did this job for you. I believe there should be a correspondence every six months to every one of your customers, six yeah. months at the latest. I'd prefer quarterly. Um, but, you know, go back to your customer and say, hey, we installed this four years ago. So it, it gives a little bit of the personal touch you know, that TV now has been upgraded to a 4K and even an 8K. Um, would you consider an estimate from us to replace that TV? We put in a 60, which was the sweet size at that time, but today we now have 70, 80, and 90, 90s and higher, in addition to the 1080p TV. Mm -hmm. And so before we get to the referrals, you know, it, it, it just every, and I mean every, integrator, and anybody who wants to listen to me on this topic, this is where I'm starting because we our, our integrators don't do it. And so many of our integrators, frankly, you talk about word of mouth, are integrators who used to work for another integration company and have gone out and started their own company. And so they know, you know, I hate to say it this way, but they know all the customers. So that's first and foremost. And then moving forward, yeah, I think it's, you know, I would put in every one of those newsletters, please, if, if you have anybody who is interested in our services, please recommend us and then have a plan for what that recommendation entails. And from the inside of a company, and I'm talking about the integrator, there should be a plan. If a job is zero to $3,000, you know, that customer should be, the, the, the referring person should get you know, three to 5,000 or 6,000, whatever that number is, that person should get. And, and then you have that plan and, and you don't announce it that way, but you say there is a benefit and, and certainly something in it. And I agree, Jamie, that the thank you note, 
Um, God forbid any of our, and I don't want to, I hate to lump everybody together, but how many of our integrators even send out a thank you note after a job's done and everybody's happy and say, Hey, thank you for allowing me to install your job. Right. So to me, these are all very sore topics because I think we're, we're letting go of the biggest source of referral program that we could get. Yeah. It's not that difficult to follow up within with an email on a quarterly basis with your client base already. I think the challenge, more to the challenge would be uh, making sure that your data is aligned and you have a marketing plan set up in general, that you have a way to email your clients on a quarterly basis, and that you have a way to generate a report or some kind of data that says, you know, who did I sell? a 1080p 60 inch television to, you know, seven years ago or eight years ago. Um, I know right now we don't have a CRM, uh, but we're implementing one in the first quarter of this year. And it will give us that ability to quickly uh, run a report that will show that. Um, Because to date it's all been tribal knowledge and history that we keep with us. And as we onboard new people, they don't know that information. Uh, and nowhere can we quickly run a report that would give us that information. Um, but that is, that's part of our, uh, as, as Henry strategizing for 2020, we are as well. And that's part of it. Is this one of those areas where when you do it kind of off the, off the cuff, it's less effective versus if, you know, to, to both of your points to where you actually have a process, you have a system in place so that you know what it's, going to entail if somebody refers something to you or you know how to uh, fish that well? Right. I think it would be, I think it would be more effective if we had an action plan or at least had a uh, kind of a a framework for which we provide referring benefits uh, to our partners. And also again, for when we onboard new people, you know, if I could take my strategy and hand it to my salesperson and say, this is my strategy for follow-up. This is my strategy for referrals. Um, and then we're all acting in alignment instead of having various people do other things. But one thing that I would keep in my plan is, um, the ability to curtail the, uh, the benefit, whatever that is to the individual person. Um, because some people might not care about an Amazon gift card. Uh, you know, maybe they do, maybe they don't, or maybe they're avid gardeners and would prefer a gift card at a local nursery shop. You never know. Um, yeah. we're, we're pretty consistent in our marketing efforts. Um, it really depend. It's dependent on the year, you know, 2006 to 2009, I was really consistent and probably maybe over communicated like on a monthly, every four week basis. Um, but that was like edging into the downturn and that actually was very effective for us. Um, there have been other times when uh, our company shrunk in size and there's too many hats and the marketing hat just gets put on the corner, you know, put in the, in the corner for a while. Um, but this is, this is a year that we're trying to really plan things out more than we have before. And um and a little inspiration from Henry actually outline what uh, what a referring program should look like. Very good. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today and Jay Basin. Selling the smart home, telling's not selling. Uh, Dennis, I'm going to start with you on this one. I think if you were to pull every integrator that I know, every integrator that you know, every integrator that Jamie knows, we'd have a very short list of 
companies that employ a professional quote unquote salesperson or even someone who has taken a, a real sales course. Um, when you look at this and, and, and you follow this article, knowing that the majority of us are not salesmen or, or, or salespeople, how hard is it to bridge that gap between telling someone about what you're trying to sell them and you know, it, explaining how to pull information out of your client to get a better understanding of what they're actually looking for, not just blabbering on about tech, which is what most of us within this channel do very well. Uh, Matt, typically the consumer is coming to you for a reason. And he, you know, as much as we some days like it and some days don't, the consumer is a lot more involved because of the internet. So they're armed and dangerous with a lot more information from what they hear, what they read. So they're typically coming to a lot of our integrators and saying, look, I want this. And I, I again, I, I think I get concerned the opposite way from what you just said is that some of our guys are not good at listening and they're not good at selling. And what they they have in their mind they've done is they've packaged somewhat of an answer to what that consumer is asking for. Yeah. And I, I think they, they really need to listen. Um, and you know, the funny part is a lot of our integrators and I was waiting for you to say it and you didn't, they don't have a guy on staff that is a true person for, you know, uh, networking products. Um, right. You know, we find this and, and we're, we're trying to put on at least one networking um, education class a quarter in each of our locations because we can't do it. You know, we, we, we do one per location per month, but we're trying to get it to at least one a quarter. And, and you'd be shocked how many great integrators come in and they say, yeah, I put an access point maybe every 30 or 40 feet. <laughs> you know, do you know, do you understand how to do a full network? Oh, absolutely. And then all of a sudden, the first question that comes out, they're lost. So <laughs> I think if they listen, um, the consumer provides a lot of the boundaries and you need to just respond based on what, you know, get the conversation going from their end instead of us going in on a sales end and saying, you need this. And, I, and, and one of the great examples way back when we were getting into networking, you know, uh, I had a, I was carrying conversation on with a vendor and he, he said to me, how many devices do you have in your house? He said, you know, do you have 15, 20? And I right away responded, no. And then he said, let's backtrack on that answer. Well, <laughs> I got a wife and two, two daughters. You know, each one of them has a cell phone. Each one of them has a tablet. Each one of them has a computer. Uh, my two daughters are lawyers, so and not to mention that if they're not lawyering, they're streaming. Um, so all of a sudden, you start to get into it, and you figure out, oh my God, I'm just a common house, <laughs> and I have over 20, 25 devices. And you know, then the conversation begins. But I'm in the business, and I never even thought of it that way. So, you know, I, I just think we need to listen and let the consumer bring the issues to us. And then let us respond with the selling as opposed to selling before we know what the issues are. Right. Jamie, Den Dennis brought up a really good point that I'm, I'm glad someone did 
because it meant I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> why is it that so many people within, within the channel, within the industry, go into these meetings with preconceived design no, uh, ideas of what that client needs, even before they've walked in the door? They've looked at the house or somebody's walked into their shop. They saw the car they drove up and went instantly, yep, that's a URC client. We're going to sell them these two remotes and that's it. Nothing more. Or it's a, you know, Savant, Crestron, you name it, whatever you want. We're going to sell them, you know, 200 grand worth of gear. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Why to Dennis's point, are we so poor at listening? And then I'm going to take it a step further. So forgive me, Dennis, but why are we so poor at listening and then actually comprehending what the client says? I'll keep it PC, right? Um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> there's a lot of ego that goes into selling. I like that. And, um, <laughs> and, on, and, there's, and this is to know, not to get into gender bias, but there's a lot of men in this industry that are in selling. And if you do some studies and maybe ask, you know, a hundred people, 50 women, 50 men who listens more, chances are you'll hear women listen more than men. Typically, um, oftentimes men think they know the answer faster when women will ask more questions first. So that's not a gender thing necessarily, but maybe it is, maybe there's an influence on how you're naturally, how, how men sales people are naturally wired. Um, I'm naturally wired with a female brain to ask all the questions and keep inquiring and not suppose and not assume that I know the answer. Um, I've taken a fair amount of sales courses and training, so that has certainly added to that. Um, but I think there's, there's potentially a, a natural element that uh, ego-driven or whether it's a gender issue, who knows. But if you know that that's something that you face, you know it's a problem, you can work around it. Um, <clears throat> there's a reason, right? We have two ears and one mouth and we should be listening more than speaking. Um, and really, as, uh, Dennis mentioned earlier, you know, our, our clients are coming to us because they want, uh, something, they have a problem, whether it be a perceived problem or actual problem. And they're looking at us as trusted advisors to help them fix that issue. And, um, that should be our job. Uh, similar to when you go into your doctor, like, what's wrong? Tell me what's going on. How often do you eat? How are you sleeping? You know, they ask a lot of questions and do tests before they prescribe a pill or they should. Um, <clears throat> and similar, similarly in our world, I think we should ask as many questions as we can. Um, actually, it's kind of interesting. This is a ResiTech Today article. Um, I think one of the first articles that I wrote for ResiTech Today was on uh, uncovering the customer's unspoken need. And their unspoken need is, you know, what's behind the thing that they're actually telling you that they want. A uh, couple of examples. I had a client tell me that she did not want, she doesn't want to watch TV. She doesn't like TV. And her husband assumed that meant no TV in the room. But that's not really what she means because she likes to watch YouTube. So her, her content is delivered through a mobile device and she had no idea that you could watch YouTube on a television screen. So when she found out that she didn't have to look down on this tiny little device, but could rather look up and watch TV, even though to her that wasn't television, 
she's thinking cable, satellite, paid for channel. Like she doesn't watch broadcast television, but she watches YouTube. Yeah. Uh, similar thing, she said uh, she likes things quiet. So in rooms where we were talking about speakers, her husband's like, oh, okay, we don't need speakers. She wants it quiet. And then one day she looked at him and said, I like it quiet. I don't like it silent. I do want speakers in here, but I don't want them to be loud. I don't want, I don't want to hear your music all the time. So she wanted a zoned system with uh, not extremely high performing speakers. That's what I heard out of that cell. Um, it's, it happens, it happened the other day. We, we acquired a client because they called a, a competitor. They told their competitor, I want X, Y, Z. And the competitor said, I don't sell that click. He found us. He called us. He said, I want X, Y, Z. And we go, well, why? What about that thing do you like? And through interview, through question, through going and meeting in person, we find out he didn't want X, Y, Z. He just thought he needed it. And instead, we updated his entire theater into an Atmos system. It was around a $15,000 quick in and out job. And that could have easily uh, gone to a co our competitor had they simply asked a question. So it's, it's really important that this industry uh, uses its mouth less and ears more and really just asks more questions. Put the ego aside. Put it on the shelf. You can bring it out once you close the job and you can brag to your friends. But don't do it in the moment. It's distasteful. Yeah, very good. All right, let's leave it there. Speaking of talking less, let's wrap <laughs> this up. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. If yeah. people want to connect with you, learn more about integration controls, where can they do that? Sure. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash control STL. We're also on Twitter and Instagram with control STL as the handle. And I'm on LinkedIn, so feel free to look me up on LinkedIn. That's Jamie Briesmeister, B-R-I-E-S-E-M-E-I-S-T-E-R. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Dennis, my friend, thank you for joining us. Uh, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Powerhouse Alliance, where can they do that? www.powerhousealliance.com. Um, Matt, I'm pleased to say that we finished 2019 with 44 locations and we start 2020 with 55 locations. Uh, we've added a couple members and um, so we're all over the country, obviously covering all 50 states. Dholzer at powerhousealliance.com if you want to talk to me or www.powerhousealliance.com to look up any of my members and all the products they sell. Excellent. Congratulations on that. That is Thank you. awesome news. Uh, thank you both for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social channel. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.